This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent His own Son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. The second reading from the New Testament book of 1 Timothy chapter 6. These words of the Lord will serve as a basis for today's sermon. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You probably heard this one because it's over 2,500 years old. A miser sold everything he had and then melted his gold into a single lump and buried it in a field every day. He just loved to go and look at that spot where his treasure was buried. And some days he spent hours gloating over his big treasure. A worker nearby noticed his frequent trips to that spot and one day late at night dug up the gold and stole it. The next day, the miser returned to that spot as usual and recognizing that his treasure had been stolen, the miser cried in misery. His neighbor asked, What's up? The miser told what had happened and his neighbor said, You don't need to get too worked up over that. Just put a brick in that hole and every day come to look at it. You won't be any worse off than before because when you still had the gold, it was of no use to you or anyone else. If Steve Harvey asked contestants on the family feud, we surveyed a hundred people and asked, what do people cling to most? My guess is that things like family and friends and reputation might make it up on the board. But the answer that would come up as number one, very likely, and would get the most nods and claps and, it's up there, Steve, would be money. Would that be true for you? Be honest. 
In our worship today, the Lord God has seen fit to bring to us once again his gifts of power and courage to live for him. And that is particularly true when it comes to handling money. Simeon told his buddies, Matthias and Delphius, people all over this Roman Empire believe that bigger brains will lead to better jobs. Let's see if we can make some money peddling ourselves as Ph.D. professors. I bet we can get rich, maybe even famous peddling knowledge. I'll bet we can get a whole pile of cash. Which is just what they did. And so they got the word out and traveled from city to city with, show us the money and we'll show you how to double and triple your investments. They also showed up in the busy commercial center known as Ephesus. Timothy was a pastor there in Ephesus, and he had to deal with these goofballs who were leading church members away from living their life for God into living their life for themselves. His friend and mentor, the Apostle Paul, heard about the situation and wrote a letter warning about the love of money. And notice Paul was writing that it's not money that's bad, but the love of money. He writes, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and, a, and fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. God wants us to enjoy the good things of this life, but not at the expense of losing or hoarding and ruining our connection to what counts most, our connection to God himself. So the apostle continued, godliness with contentment is great gain, for he brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. For if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. For those who enjoy an abundance of earthly blessings, and there are few people here who are not abundantly blessed, he adds this command. I command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous willing to share. The father of a wealthy family took his son on a trip into the country in order to show his son a poor family so his son would appreciate what it means that they are wealthy. At the end of the day, they returned home. His father asked the boy, what did you learn? And his son said, we have one dog they have four. 
We have a pool in our backyard that stretches about halfway. They have a creek that never ends. We have lights fixed into our garden. They have the stars in the sky. We buy our food. They grow theirs. We have walls around our property to protect us. They have friends who protect them. We have servants who serve us. They serve others. Thank you, Father, for showing me how poor we really are. To cling or not to cling. This young boy learned that clinging to stuff and things of this world will not bring lasting and eternal joy and contentment and certainty. But Simeon said to his buddies Matthias and Delphius, I thought of one thing that will help us fool people into thinking that we can help them get rich. Let's tell them stories that are made up, that sound believable, so that they can figure out, at least from us, not only how to survive, but how they can, how they can really thrive and succeed in this life. There's nothing wrong with telling stories, even stories that are made up. But if they pull away and detract people from the central story of Scripture, the story of God's love for people who make a mess of their lives with arrogance and greed and envy and selfishness, of course, none of us have ever done that, then those stories are myths that create a mist over the Bible's message of God's love and forgiveness. The false teachers who showed up in Ephesus were pulling the wool over the eyes of some of the Christians there and pulled the rug out from under their feet. And so some of the Christians there, some of those people, lost sight of their heavenly goal and joined the false teachers in downplaying God's greatest miracle, that God no longer condemns sinners like you and me to what we surely deserve, sure and certain doom, but instead guarantees to sinners like you and me what we don't deserve, sure and certain deliverance. Timothy's friend and mentor, the Apostle Paul, heard about the situation and warned that twisting God's word and will is actually godlessness. In another part of this letter wedged in in these verses, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godlessness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and to which you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Eternal life is not something far out in the distant future, but it's ours to enjoy right now. That changes our attitude about clinging, and especially whether to cling or not to cling to money. Because God has given this life to us that's not just ours with God now, but forever. No matter what comes our way, what trials or troubles each day, we can look forward to tomorrow. Because tomorrow brings us a step closer to heaven. We don't know whether tomorrow the weather will be bearable or unbearable. We don't know whether tomorrow the stock market will go up or down. We don't know whether tomorrow we'll stay healthy or get sick. But this we know. Tomorrow will be a good day. 
Because God covers all the wrongs we've done and the rights we have forgotten to do and will still be taking us to eternal joy in heaven when he determines the time is right. So what do we cling to when life's boat starts to rock? What do we cling to when the winds of life blow in a storm? What do we cling to when the stones of life trip us up? How about this? In you, O Lord, I've taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock and my fortress. For the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that's set for me, including clinging to money. For you are my fortress. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Saying King David, and so do we. Cling to the right thing. Cling to the right one. And you will be able to face each day and each situation with renewed confidence, with an open heart, and with genuine concern for others. You won't, you won't any longer feel the urge to hoard or waste your possessions, but you will be free to give freely and generously, sharing your interest, your time, your possessions, your money, your very self with others. John Wesley was one of the great evangelists of the 1700s. When he began his career and earned his first salary, he figured out what would, he would need to cover his expenses, and then he set aside the remaining portion for the poor. As his career continued, his salary increased, but his expenses remained relatively the same. So he always kept enough to cover his expenses, what he needed, and then he gave the rest to the poor. When he died in 1791, at the age of 87, his will indicated that whatever was left should go to the poor, and all that was left were a few coins in his pocket and on his dresser. John Wesley had learned to be generous, clinging not to money, but to Jesus. Soon, soon, very soon, you will be hearing more and more about the vital plan we have to replace our antiquated facilities, namely the little building attached to this church. It has become a barrier in our ability to connect people to people and especially in our ability to connect with people in our community and share Jesus' love. Each of us will have the opportunity to ask ourselves to cling or not to cling. And clinging to Jesus, we will be able to be more generous than we ever imagined. The Apostle Paul says it this way, in this way you will lay up treasure for yourselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that you may take hold of the life that is truly life. I don't see teeter-totters in playgrounds anymore. Do you? Probably a safety concern. There are kids here today who don't even know what I'm talking about. Your grandparents do. 
teeter-totter is a large board that's balanced on a heavy metal bar. And if you ever had a friend who was rather on the heavy side and sat down on one side, shooting you up into the air on the other, and then jumped off, sending you crashing with bone-rattling, teeth-jarring impact, you know why there aren't many teeter-totters around anymore. Another reason is because some of us thought it would be a good idea to walk up the teeter-totter board to the center and put one foot on one side and the other on the other side to try to balance. That would have been a lot easier if there was some kind of rope dangling securely from above to hang onto and remain centered. Life is like that. People who cling to the things of this world, like money, end up sliding on the teeter-totter of life on one side toward wastefulness or on the other side toward hoarding. And both of those are rooted in selfishness. Dear Jesus, for my selfishness, you ought to push me off the teeter-totter of life. Dear Jesus, for my clinging to money, you ought to let me slide into the pit where money clingers get stuck forever. Dearest Jesus, I know that you are not just some flimsy rope from above, but you have decided to come down from heaven and cling to me, cling to you, dear Lord. Let me be more centered, selfless, and generous. Amen. To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.